to Say It Southern, aspiring to live not just as moms, but as modern Southern women, we began this project to hear from those who inspire us and recognize those who are achieving their own personal goals. Listen in as we celebrate the South and those who say it Southern. Our partner, Renaissance Bank, is declaring March as Mobile Banking Month. Throughout the month, they're going to be sharing tons of information about how you can utilize Renaissance mobile and online banking. To learn more or to find a Renaissance location near you, visit renaissancebank.com or follow the hashtag on social media, hashtag Mobile Banking Month, to stay up to date on all mobile banking posts. Y'all, I am beyond thrilled and excited to introduce you to our guest today. As a mom to three girls, I turn to her for advice and encouragement for all the things. Y'all, today we are speaking with Carrie Kampakis. She is an author, speaker, podcaster from Birmingham, Alabama. You may know Carrie from her blog that went viral titled 10 Truths Young Girls Should Know, or perhaps it's from her best-selling books, Love Her Well, and 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter. Well, Carrie has a new book coming out April 5th, More Than a Mom, and she's here to tell us all about it. We are so thrilled and cannot wait for you to hear this episode. Please join us now as we say it Southern with Carrie Kampakis. Okay, Sarah, so excited to have Carrie Kampakis with us today. Carrie, basically, we just want you to like move in with us and teach us all the things because everything we read and listen to your podcast and read one of your Instagrams, I've got them all saved. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, Courtney will send me some of your podcasts and I listen to them when I walk a lot. Yes. A lot. (laughs) And she walks a lot. And I walk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for being on today. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, this is truly just a good old Southern mama. You know, we're trying to do it together, better together. That's right. Okay, well, we want to know a little bit about your background. How did you get into writing and become so knowledgeable? (laughs) I mean, you're. Well, it's so funny that you say that. I mean, I don't feel like I'm an expert by any means, but I do feel like I've been parenting about 20 years now. And so it's just kind of funny. I feel like um, a lot of the moms that maybe follow me on Instagram are the moms behind me now, which I love because I'm not scared to share a lot of my mistakes and the things that I feel like I did wrong. And I think that's so helpful to give to the moms behind you. So um, I also realized like I have three teenage daughters now and one preteen. And so one thing I realized as my girls grew up was that it was just harder to find advice because I feel like when your kids are little, if I had potty training issues or something like that, I could go to the gym and ask three people and they could all give me advice. And it was just pretty basic. Everybody was going through the same things. But then as your children get older, you have to protect their privacy. And also people parent differently. And so kind of the values that people bring to the table will influence the type of advice they'll give. And so I don't know. I just felt like I was like, you know, there are times I'm like, I feel like I know a lot of people in my community, but I wasn't sure who to ask for for advice But when you're trying to protect your child's privacy. So that's really one one, I guess benefit I feel like I can offer to my readers or people that maybe follow me on social media is just like, okay, here's some conversations you can have with your friends and you're still protecting your child's privacy, but maybe getting to talk about these issues that we're all facing as moms, especially moms of girls to help each other out. Mm -hmm. Did it start with the books, articles? How did it start? 
Ooh, uh, let's see. Well, you know, I guess it really just started with having four girls <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, I just, it's just a slow path that God led me on. I always loved to write, but I never really dreamed of being a writer when I was younger, but I, I can look back and I kind of see the seeds being planted. But anyway, I did PR for Alabama Power for years. I did freelance writing. I did photography as a young mom. And um, I guess it was a few years into photography. It was, as I had my third and fourth daughter, I just really started to miss writing. And my mom was writing at the time and she invited me to these writing conferences in Alabama. And so I remember going to one and the majority of people there were over age 70 and they'd all just retired and they were all just starting to write. And I just remember thinking that is going to be me if I don't start doing something now, because I kept making excuses like I'm too tired. I have young kids. You know, I don't have, I don't have time to write now, but one day I will. And I just thought, I don't want to wait until I'm 70 to actually start taking action on this dream. And so, you know, one of the conferences I went to, they're like, you don't have to write for two hours a day. You can write for 15 minutes a day and just that can add up over time. And so that really, that was my goal. I was like, I'll just write for 30 minutes today or an hour. Um, at the time, my husband was commuting to Anniston. And so by the time he got home at night, I was just done. I mean, my kids were little. I had four kids under age seven. And I was just so tired and exhausted. And so he'd come home and I'm like, I don't want to think about parenting or, you know, childhood. I want to just write and do my own thing. So that's really where it started was I felt like those were my training years. And um, and those were a lot of years of training. I actually was writing fiction at the time. I wrote three fiction novels that will probably never see the light of day. <laughs> but I do look back and they weren't Christian novels. It was more chick lit. But, um, but I do think God used that to help me kind of grow in my writing skills and also just to toughen me up because I got so much rejection during that time. And um, it was hard. I'm very, you know, most writers are pretty sensitive. And so I look back and I feel like I even needed that rejection just to toughen me up and prepare me for life as a writer too, because sometimes you have an article that does well and sometimes one that doesn't. And you have to be used to, you have to be able to handle whatever happens and just know if you're doing what you've like God is calling you to do, then you can't worry about the results. But Anyway, long story short, I did that for seven years. And then uh, I guess a friend of mine had become an editor of a local paper. So she asked me if I wanted a column in a local paper. So I started doing that for parents, um, developed a website after that. And then soon after my website went went live, I uh, had a, a blog post go viral and it was 10 Truths Girls Should Know. Yeah. And then um, anyway, long story short, that went, that got the attention of Thomas Nelson, which is a Christian publisher in Nashville. And they asked me if I'd be interested in turning that blog post into a book. So it was something that seemed to come from out of the blue, but it was a series of events that probably took seven years to get to that point. And I did find out later that it had been 10 years since they'd had a book for teenage girls and they were looking for a message. So it was just a reminder to me of God's timing that it just all he just I had to wait for the right time. And I had to learn a lot of patience in that in the meantime. So I wrote those two books. That was 2014 and 2016. I released two books for teenage girls. My daughters weren't quite teenagers yet. They were pr pretty much the ages that your oldest children are. And um, and then what happened as the, my girls grew up, you know, we had a great relationship when they were little. And then as they got to be teenagers, we kind of started butting heads and arguing. And I know now that that is so normal, but I didn't know how to handle it at the time. <clears throat> and I was making all the mistakes and it was just creating this bigger gulf, especially with me and my oldest daughter. She started middle school. And so anyway, that led me on a journey of how to love a teenage daughter while also parenting a teenage daughter. And that's the topic I read about in my third book, which was for moms called Love Her Well. So um, those are my first three books. And then the new book that I have is called More Than a Mom. And that comes out in April. And that book really came about, I think, just in the season of parenting that I'm in now. It's about just prioritizing our wellness as moms and seeing ourselves as something bigger 
than just a mom, just seeing ourselves as a child of God and human beings who are worthy of self-kindness and grace. And, um, you know, one reason I wrote that book is because one, as we get older, you realize how important your wellness is and what happens when you don't protect it and look out for it. And then also, you know, my daughters are teenagers now and I'm just, I'm hyper aware that they're going to remember what they're witnessing in my life right now. And especially with my oldest daughter being in college. I mean, I have really emphasized to make healthy choices. You know, you get one body in life, just protect your body, look out for yourself. And I just started thinking if I really want her to practice these things in her life, I've got to model it better in my life. And so it's really about how you're really parenting as we do take care of ourselves. We're parenting because we're influencing our kids and hopefully giving them a vision of what a healthy adult looks like. Mm-hmm. It's so hard though, because I think as moms, we, we don't, we put our, everyone else first, you know, we all know right. this and we know we should be better, but it's, it's, we can't, I mean, it's like, I can't, I feel like sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I gotta, you know, I don't have time for me, you know, I've right. got three girls. So I'm I, with uh, three different schedules yes. and three different places to be. Yeah. Right. I know. And I, I told somebody the other day, I mean, here's the irony. I've spent you know, almost a year writing this book and I have canceled my own wellness visit. I'm seeing somebody because some of my hormone level, levels were off and some different vitamins I needed, but I've canceled this appointment twice because I'm like, I don't have two hours to go do this. Yet I would never do that for my children. I would never cancel that appointment. But yet Mm -hmm. we do it for ourselves. And I've had to tell myself, like, I'm going to pay the price later if I keep doing this. And it's it's so hard to remember that as moms because we're just living in the moment and trying to keep our head above water most days. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that I feel like you have written based on where you were at the stage of life that you were in. And so do you feel like these are kind of divinely given to you in in that moment or for what the world needs? Because literally everything you're writing is what the world needs. You're so sweet. Uh, Yes, I I definitely think that I'm writing what I need at the time. When I wrote the two books for the teenage girls, it was so helpful to me because my daughters were about to be teenagers. And so I was like, I want to research this. I want to know how can we prepare them for the road ahead? And that was one thing my editors were telling me. They're like, you know, we're trying to get the girls before they're in these situations. We're trying to help them pre-think about these hard situations they'll be in. And so that's really how those books evolved. And and honestly, I thought maybe I'll write a book for moms in 20 years, but I thought moms are a hard audience. I love my mom friends, but I feel like teenagers are more impressionable. They're not so set in their ways. I thought that would be an easier audience. But what happened as my girls grew up, my heart started softening toward moms. I was like, wow, this is so hard. And it's hard (laughs) to stay strong and loving when they're not loving you back. I mean, that's really what you go through in the teenage years is how can you continue to be a strong and loving mom when you're not always getting it reciprocated like maybe you did when they were little. And so um, anyway, so that led me on the journey to love her well. And then, like I said, yes. And then the season I'm in now, I'm thinking a lot about the future. I mean, I hate to say I'm thinking about grandchildren, but I am thinking about like as my girls grow up and get hopefully get married and have children and, you know, start their lives. And I'm thinking about the, what how I want them to be healthy adults and to look out for themselves. And I'm just, like I said, so aware that what they're seeing in my life now is really going to stick. And I think a lot of it also has to go back to when my mom passed away two years ago. You know, when you lose a parent, you just have this flood of memories. And I was so shocked by how many of my memories were from my teenage years with my mom, my teenage years and my college years. And I think it's because I spent a lot of time with her. I was I went to school in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And um, so we were spending a lot of time together. But yet my brain was more seasoned and developed in a way that I would remember those memories. And so that just has really just stuck with me. Like my girls are really going to remember what they're seeing right now. And I can't tell them to do one thing and then, be, and then do the opposite in my, my own life. 
Oh, there's so many things to jump into. I mean, from the friendships to taking care of yourself. I mean, I made a a chiropractic appointment today because I was like, I really need to get that checked off. But um, one of the things that I thought was very poignant to where we are is the what Sarah was talking about, kind of the child-centered parenting. And then also going, hey, we got to make friendships that last beyond just the people on our basketball team, you know, when our kids graduate and they move on, like we need people, we need community. And I mean, from COVID and everything else, just in the world we live in with social media, we've just edited and edited and edited ourselves down to this lonely place of isolation. Right. Oh, exactly. And I do feel like we don't really tell moms, at least nobody told me this, that when your kids are little, you know, you need your village. I mean, you've got, especially when you have multiple kids, you have your play groups. It's like whoever baby has a baby and their diaper needs to be changed. It's like whoever is there to change it. That's yes. your people. Yes. yes. And then your kids get older and almost to the age that your girls or your kids are, your boys and girls. And I think that it can be kind of a sweet spot. And I remember personally being like, we are good, man. This is so easy. My kids can have friends over and play for hours and they're all easy. And it's like, I now realize that prepares you for the teenage years, but you almost feel like you don't need friends. You're, you're starting to get busy because your kids are having social lives and you're driving them around or you're hosting their friends. And I remember going through a phase, like feeling like my family's enough for me. And then my kids got older and especially as they started driving and that they don't want to spend all that time with us anymore, which is healthy. I mean, they want to have their own friendships. And I realized I'd kind of made too much my identity into being a mom and really probably wrap my life around them a little too much because I was so all in. So I really had to kind of step back and think about, okay, I need to invest in my friendships. I need to invest in my marriage. I need to have these other healthy interests of my own. And as I did that, it helped my relationship with my daughters. They wanted to be with me because I wasn't so needy and clingy and I was happier when we were together. I wasn't depending on them as my source of joy. And I think that that's something that can easily happen in this age of child-centered parenting is that we're we're so wrapped up in their lives and doing things for them, but they become the center of our universe. They become our source of joy and no child wants that pressure. And um, I was even talking to a, a counselor friend the other day about it. And she was telling me her mom kind of finds her joy in her. And she's like, it really hurts our relationship because it puts so much pressure on me. And she said, it preserves our relationship with our children when we find our identity in the right thing. When we're not finding our identity in our children, but something bigger, which for us as Christians is Christ. Yeah. And um, and that's just a journey I've had. It's just really, I feel like I'm a stronger mom when I'm, I'm finding my strength in God and my identity as a child of God and really drawing strength there. It's allowing me to be a better mom, no matter what my kids are doing on that particular day. Yeah. Cool. I needed that. <laughs> I needed that. Um, there is a part in your new book that we read and we went over um, when you were talking about mothers are humans too. And this is kind mm-hmm. of what you're saying and that mm-hmm. we, we require love and compassion and rest and renewal and all of those things. Um, but why don't we, why don't we do this? I mean, what, what advice can you give to help us remember this? Yes, really. I actually have have a funny story related to that. That um, uh, just it was a big reminder that I'm human. But my uh, when my daughters turn 16, I always get their cars blessed. I take it to our priest, and we get the holy water on there, and they do a prayer. And so it was a week before my daughter's 16th birthday. I was working on this book, and I, I take it to the Greek Orthodox Church, and the priest is blessing it. He does this blessing over it, and he's sprinkling the water. And I told him I was working on this book, and I was like, you know, what are you seeing parents struggle with today? And he said, basically, he's seeing the parents struggle with just that expectation that to be superhuman. 
And he's like, we're really the only culture that has this fascination with superheroes. And he goes, I actually, he used to, he was a priest in Greece for 10 years. And he said, I was just talking to my spiritual father the other day about this, about how in America, we just have this cultural obsession with this perfection and we don't know how to be good sinners, basically. And so that really stuck with me, just that, gosh, we do, you know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect and anything less than perfect just doesn't feel good enough. So anyway, I'm, I'm back in my daughter's car up and I hear this, bam, and I like hit, hit her car into this like column right behind me. I don't know how I didn't <laughs> see it, but I was, I mean, I called my husband crying. It like, you know, totally messed up the light and, you know, the back, back bumper. And I was like, I cannot believe I did this the week before her 16th birthday. And he's like, you know what? You know, at least it, the, the blessing was to protect the people in the car more than the car itself. So the blessing worked, <laughs> but, it, but it was such a reminder. I was like, maybe there's a reason I just heard that message about us being human and giving ourselves grace. And, and even my daughter, I felt so bad. I was so apologetic, but she was so understanding and she was sweet about it. Luckily, we got it fixed in time for her birthday. But yeah. you know, I've gotten to the point now that something like that might have made me just dwell on that for days when my kids were little because I felt like I had to be this perfect role model. But now that they're older and I know that a lot of teenagers are struggling with the fact that they think they have to be perfect and that's all they see on social media. I'm not scared to let my girls see that human side of me to see me mess up and to admit, oh my gosh, I get it wrong all the time, but time. we got to give ourselves grace and, you know, just to treat myself the way I want them to do it too, because they're not getting that message from the world. So um, in that sense, it was a good lesson for her to see that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not pretending to be perfect because I obviously am not, but that's okay. We can give ourselves grace. It's too, the, you know, the point that you talked about is I feel like we run into this trap of running ourselves to death in the day. Mm-hmm. And then when they get home, you're just like, yeah. <laughs> I need my glass of wine. I need, I need mommy, mommy time. Yeah. Like y'all go in your rooms for a second and we exhaust ourselves doing all the things, you know, whether it be mm-hmm. work or your errands at home or keeping a perfect house or whatever all that is just to be exhausted by the time they get home. And that's yes. not a good model. No, no. And we all do it. But, yeah. and I think your generation of moms, you're right behind me. And I feel like y'all have it even harder than my generation because let's say, I guess technology didn't come out until my oldest daughter was in second grade. So yeah. my first three children, we really enjoyed their childhood without social media. If I needed an opinion, I got the opinion of my mom or my sister yeah. or my, my closest friends. But I remember seeing this Facebook post recently. It's for teenagers. And I, I love this website, but somebody posed a question about their daughter's roommate and there were 700 answers. And oh, I, I like to read through answers. I'm like, I just like to see what people are thinking. But all the advice was total opposite. I mean, and I'm like, gosh, if, if I didn't have God and really see him as my, my first choice, my first source of truth, then how easy it is to be confused by all of these opinions in the world. And as moms, you know, even when your kids are little, you're seeing how everybody else is parenting and mothering and you're, you're seeing these social media pictures and, you know, that can mess with your mind. It can make you feel like you're doing it all wrong, even if you are doing what's best for your family. So I, I do think it's harder for moms in this generation than even maybe 10 years ago, just because of the pressure and just the awareness of what everybody else is doing all the time. Yeah. And same thing with our friendships. Yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that that's the same sort of pressure we put on our friends because we are exhausted. We don't have time for friends. I mean, I'm guilty right. of that. I don't, I don't sit down and have lunch with friends during the week. Like I probably should. But you think you know them. a lot about them because you see them on social media. Right. You're like, well, they, right. had, I bet they had a good time in St. Louis. Right. But, but I, I never <laughs> ask them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah. And it is I know when it, running around for our children. <laughs> it is. Well, it's funny. The same Greek priest that I was telling you about, the Greek Orthodox priest, when he moved here um, to the church here in Birmingham, he'd come from Greece and then Florida and then Alabama. But I was asking him, I was like, what's the difference between America and Greece? Because as you can tell, I love Greece. And so I just think their culture, they're very family-centered, faith-centered. It's just a different way of living. But he's like, you know, they are just people aren't so busy. He's like, it's probably the pace at which people live. But I loved what he said. He's like, if you ran into an old friend in Greece that you hadn't seen in years, then you would drop everything and go have coffee for three hours. Mm. Like, that's just how they live life. And he said, if you ran into an old friend here, you would get each other's numbers. You'd say, let's go get coffee. It might happen. It might not happen. By nobody's fault. We're just all busy. But I, I kept thinking about that after he left. I was like, that's so true. Like, we don't leave room in our schedules just for those impromptu moments. Or our friend needs us, like, room in our schedule to go help out a friend when she needs us because we're just, we're every minute is scheduled. And so it's, it's made me try to, like, not overly schedule every day to not have, you know, my calendar packed so that if one thing goes wrong, then I'm having to cancel everything else. But, but it's hard because that's not our culture and that's not the way we do things here. I love the points that you made about, having and modeling friendships and, and building uplifting friendships. I think you had eight points um, in the book. So the first point being like work on yourself, because if you're not a good version of yourself, you can't be that for anybody else. Right. Yes. And I see this with teenagers all the time. And I feel like they're all struggling with friendship and I'm getting emails from them and their moms. But I think that probably the core problem is just our culture is that everybody spends a lot of time thinking about how is everybody making me feel or I feel lonely. And if we could just sit and think, well, however I'm feeling, I bet other people are feeling this way too. And I can be the one to go initiate a conversation or to invite somebody to go to dinner or to coffee, just being that friend that you really want to find and knowing that however you're feeling, other people are probably feeling that way too. Um, and like you said, I think that yeah, you, you attract the friends who are like you. So I always tell yeah. the girls, like if you want to attract kind friends and you've got to be a kind person. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, especially middle school, kindness is not always appreciated. And I'm like, you know what, you just be patient because it's, as people have friends who are unkind, sometimes you just don't know better. It's when, when your friends who are unkind, it only takes getting burned one or two times to realize exactly. that you're never going through that again. And ultimately the kind of friends that people want will be the kind ones. It might be high school or college when that personality is more appreciated but I'm also like, you know, those are the friends that will also be still be there 30 years from now. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't want to invest all this time and this energy into relationships from high school or middle school that aren't even going to exist in five or 10 years. But um, it's hard to teach them at that age. But I think the same thing applies at our age, you know, just us being. And really, I think for us to be able to be that kind of friend, we've got to get over our our natural um, tendencies to compare and be competitive and to feel mm -hmm. less than other women. And I'm even trying to teach that to my daughters. I was like, it's hard because of course we get jealous of other people's gifts, but we've got to remember that God has given you your gifts and this is your lane and this is what you're really good at. But it, it's hard just to be able to, to appreciate somebody else's gifts without letting that envy get the best of us. And I think it is hard this day and age too with for adults as well as teenagers with the social media. I mean, we yes. could oh, go to the right here. Yeah. And Do you have seven hours? Hour. You have seven <laughs> hours to spend with us? On social media, I mean, yeah, just Ugh. the comparison. When when you say comparison, it's just like, you want to talk about the devil's tool, man. I mean, it yes. will ruin relationships. It will ruin self-worth. It will ruin, I mean, let's just, that's a great caveat to get into the teen scene for a minute. And just mm -hmm. how we've got to teach them about 
mean girls and, you know, people that really take care of you and the people that don't keep score. And mm-hmm. but it just seems like the problem though, it always seems to go back to social media because yeah. they they're lonely or they feel left out because they saw their friends on social media and adults too. I'm talking about women friends as well. Right. And the teenagers. Right. Same thing with appearance and like, what are you wearing? How, how much weight have you lost? I need the waist trainer. I got to have the waist trainer. You know? <laughs> it's, just, it's like never ending. No, it does. I need I the know. lip flip and the, and the, I mean, you know, like I got a really long list of the things that I need and yeah, I know. And, but that's the modeling thing. You know, if mm. our, if they see us running around trying to fill this humongous void, you know, the mm-hmm. friendship void or we're struggling alone or we're, you know, we're to ourselves in isolation. I mean, yeah. How are we going to model this for them? But yes. And I think that's big. My biggest lesson as my girls grow up is don't be scared to let them see your humanity. That obviously there are some, my big problems, I'm not going to go dump on my children. I'll take those to adults or my husband or somebody else, but it's okay for them to see us struggling in very human ways. And I think it's so beneficial because like I said, they always feel left than, you know, less than just looking on social media and that's all they see is perfection. And as I shared in the book, I, I always think about this 17 year old girl who went to this Christian retreat with her parents. She's very close with her parents, but they were having this heart to heart talk and she just burst into tears. And she told them, she was like, y'all are just so perfect. I feel like I can never measure up. And her parents were heartbroken as any of us would be because they never intended to portray that image. But I think sometimes as we're trying to be good role models, we forget that you can still be a good role model even when you're going through adversity. And that actually helps them. You know, like when my mom passed away, I would let my daughter see me cry. And when I'd take a phone call from a friend, I would tell them, yeah, I mean, I'm really, I'm doing better now, but I was really struggling earlier. And after one phone call, my daughter was like, mom, you're so honest. Wow. And I was like, I know. I was like, well, my friends can't help me if I'm not being honest with them. And that really allows them to comfort me because I am being honest. But I also was doing that because I couldn't remember my mom mourning the loss of her mother. And I kept thinking, like, how did she do this? I don't know how to do this. And I wish I'd had that blueprint. And so I thought, you know what? I want to give my daughters a blueprint for hopefully won't be anytime soon, but for the day when I'm not here anymore of how to, to honestly feel those emotions and to be sad and to give yourself time to mourn and grieve and, you know, cut out your work and, you know, not do things for a while. So you can get through a heavy time so that you can come out on the other side a little bit stronger. Mm. But I don't think that, I don't think our world models that for our children or for us as moms. Mm -mm. And that's Courtney was telling me before we started, we were, we were going over the book, the uplifting building friendships. And Courtney looked at me and said, don't struggle alone, Sarah, like you're talking to me. And I'm so guilty of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, and so when you're talking right now, I'm like, I can totally relate to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I do think that, like I said, the enemy, I think he can, he wants us to feel alone. And that's one thing I'm really stressing with my daughters is like, if you're ever feeling alone, like nobody will understand. That's probably, probably the enemy getting to you wanting you to struggle alone, wanting you to isolate yourself because then nobody can help you. But, um, but I was saying, let people help you. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, but I don't want my girls. I want my girls to see like people helping me and having friends Mm -hmm. that I can turn to and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Which also leads to one of your points, know who is good for you. Yes. Yeah. We could just lay down in that. We could wallow (laughs) around in that. (laughs) So true. And sometimes you have to learn who's not good for you to learn who is good for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's true. It really is. It's like, I think who helps you become the best version of yourself. Um, I think about this man who he tells his daughters, you know, if a boy ever tries to come between you and God, he wasn't sent by God. 
Mm. And I thought that applies to friendship too. You know, anybody who's good for us or that's sent by God is going to help us grow in faith. And it's going, they're going to help us grow closer to the people that love us the most, like our family and our friends. And I even think about some of the, my daughters might have some friends come over and the ones, I mean, there are certain ones that they bring the whole family together. They're sweet to the little sisters. They're, they're telling stories and we're all laughing. Like those are the best people to have in your life that they bring Mm -hmm. all of you closer together. They bring everybody into the conversation. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Okay. So we have two middle schoolers and we know we've saved the post about when you did, at, what was it? So seven things every middle schooler should know or something, you know, I was forward in that dog, <laughs> all my friend group, PTO, I mean, send it to everybody. I love it. But the thing I think that we just get, and you touched on this earlier, we just get so, I don't know, it's like an anchor to our soul is social media. And how to deal with that. And we've talked, and we know that you have talked with Kim Swells, and she's been on our podcast a couple of times, and we adore her. And we did a whole tech talk with her. Um, But it's just something that I feel like we have to constantly be on Mm -hmm. about. Like, it's not something that you can talk one time and then forget about it. It's like Mm -hmm. you have to be on your toes about what is happening Mm -hmm. with social media. Yes, Yes. Are there any specific questions or? Well, it, it seems like everything, I even asked the moms that have teenage girls and middle school girls, I was like, I'm interviewing Carrie, like, what would you want to know? And they just, every question they had or comment about their daughters and issues that they face, it always leads back to social media. Like she mm-hmm. feels left out because she saw them on social media. She's not eating. She's lost a bunch of weight. And it's because she's comparing herself to others on social media, which that's nothing new. I mean, that's been around forever, but same thing with the mean girls. She's, you know, they, they're intentionally leaving her out and posting or tagging or sharing pictures, ugly pictures of her, you know, I mean, just it's this cycle. So what right. advice do you have for, for teenagers and middle schoolers with social media? Yes. You know, I think something that somebody told me that I felt like was the game changer for my daughters, and um, I go back to it all the time, is just before they even get on social media to ask, you know, make sure that they're emotionally ready for social media. Yeah. You that, posted this the I, other day yeah, and it was yes. incredible. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I just, and that was the best advice that I, I gave my girls just because I was like, okay, as you're going on here, you've got to know that you're going to be scrolling through it. You're, you'll be perfectly happy. And then you'll see some friends eating pizza together without you. And, you know, it's going to, going to make you sad and that's perfectly normal. But if you go and cry for three hours because of that, then you're not emotionally ready for social media. Yeah. And of course, we all feel that, that pain. We all feel hurt. And I've even learned for myself, if I'm down and I'm not feeling good about myself, that's the worst time to get on social media. Because when I see something like that, it makes it even worse. But I think just helping our kids develop that self-awareness. And also, this is where I really think faith comes into the picture and just you know, knowing the truth about who they are and who God says they are and why that is so central, you know, like what they're seeing on social media, all these messages that you're going to hear a thousand voices in the world. And like, what voice are you supposed to listen to? And then really it all goes back to just, who does God say you are? Mm. You know, who who did God create you to be? Um, You know, he created you, your, your body intentionally, specifically, you're beautifully, wonderfully, and perfectly made. And just really, but it's hard because like I said, we're all seeing these images and feeling left out. But I I think it's really just that self-talk and just the thought loops that are going on in our heads. But I do think that the more that we can equip our girls up front, and I've found that even with something like dating, it's easier to talk about dating with our girls before they're actually dating, before they're in those awkward situations. And the same thing with social media is just to think about what is it that 
kind of that you were worried about with our daughters and have those conversations before it's even an issue and say, you know, you're going to a lot of girls, you know, creates a lot of body image dysmorphia or just unrealistic expectations of how a woman or a girl should look because of these images out there. And you just got to know that it can really mess with your mind. But, you know, I always tell my daughters when it comes to their body, I go back to the whole thing that you get one body in life. And, you know, my mom was sick the final years of her life. And I'm like, you know, she, it made her real, a big difference what she was eating, just the nutrition. I was like, your body has got to last you as long as Nana's body la- lasted her, you know, 84 yeah. years. And, you know, what you're doing now, you're setting, setting the stage for your future. And whether that's, you know, going to college or drinking or vaping, I mean, you know, you mess up your lungs, you don't get another set of lungs that you're, you're working with the same body and same thing with your, your body. Like, yes, we all want to, to look good, but you also want to nourish your body. You know, really food is about nourishing it and making sure that you get the nourishment you need. And I, I would tell them stories like this. Like I have friends who have had eating disorders for 20 years and she, one of them broke her arm a couple of years ago and she had to get all these rods put in there. She's like, her, her bones will not glue back together like somebody's bones normally would because of her eating disorder that she had all those years. So I just really kind of take it back to like these choices that people make as teenagers that you don't think much about because you're just in that temporary moment of satisfaction trying to look a certain way or live a certain life that it can have these long-term ramifications. And I think as we have these conversations with our kids, it's like, what does a healthy life look like? You know, who do you want to be? And just constantly rechecking that conversation we're having with ourselves. And even with myself, I, you know, I'm like, give it to taking my thoughts and making them captive to Christ. You know, when I'm having an ugly thought about somebody, you know, I've got, okay, God, help me. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. be thinking this thought about my friend or this person. And I know this is not from you. Just help replace this thought. Give me a healthy thought from you. But it takes a lot of intention to do that. And I think if our daughters aren't having help with, okay, what is a healthy mindset? Then it's so easy to get sucked into whatever the internet is telling them or believing whatever's being said about them on social media. Oh, such a good point. Do you have like ages, since you have like a a college age, high school, tween, do you have ages that you think things are appropriate for for certain things like dating and social Mm -hmm. media and you know, riding in a car with friends or whatever. What what do you kind of see all those things? As? Yes. You know, I think that I think the beauty of us moms is that we're always with our kids. And my probably my biggest advice to the moms behind me is just to like, as you are driving them to school, as you're driving them to practice, just always think that, I mean, I know I'm probably too much on the life lessons sometimes, but you know, I, I do I do believe in getting the seeds planting those seeds earlier than you think you need to, because they will be in situations earlier than you think they will. And yeah. just the way that they're growing up, things will be happening. And like I said, I think it's it's easier, you know, even talking about mean girls, like they're, you're going to meet some mean girls. Like you can talk Ooh. about, I, I know some mean women, you know, like yeah, I do some too. people, mean so I was like, yeah, I mean, and I was like, you know, some people do change and it's, it's sad because when they do change and they give their heart to God, they really have to deal with some serious regret. And so I also, you know, teach my daughters that, but, you know, you're going to meet some really kind people, some really mean people, you know, some people teach you who you do want to be. Some people will teach you you don't want to be, but just giving them that perspective. And yeah, I don't know. I think that, I think that there's a way to touch on pretty much every issue at different ages and different age appropriate ways. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, like I used to use my carpool time going to school. I, I, I would do a lot through stories. And at the time they loved the stories by this point in life, they've heard all my stories a million times. <laughs> so, like we've heard it, but, um, but it might be, oh yeah. You know, my friend Katie once went out with this guy who, who was bad news. He was Prince Charming at first, but then I would, you know, tell stories of what he did during the process. And they're like, oh my word. But I think that just, just kind of taking these lessons. And like I said, this is our job as mamas that we're with them all the time. 
So just think, you know, talking about how you can talk about social media, body image, um, dating, healthy friendships, healthy relationships. What else? Faith, you know, and, and people, middle school is such a hard time, but I think that is the time that the faith messages can really hit home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I once heard this too, that, you know, our job as moms and the job as priests and pastors is we're just planting the seeds. And then God will make sure that those seeds take root at a time most opportune to that person's salvation, which I always love that. So I'm like, you know, something you teach them now, it might not sink in. They might roll their eyes. It might not mean anything. But 20 years from now or 10 years from now, they might be in a situation where all of a sudden that is taking root. Mm. And so an example of that, you know, I was, you know, when your kids are little, you're teaching them, you know, find your identity in Christ. And so they're like, whatever, you know, but I was like, find it in Christ. Don't find it in a uniform, anything else. It's great if you make the team, but that's not your identity because those things are temporary. And then I remember when my daughter broke her finger and she was, she was the week before cheer tryouts and they weren't sure if she'd be able to try out or if she'd be able to have a tryout afterward. And so everything was up in the air. And she was like, you know what, you know, I, I really want to, but if it doesn't work out, I'll be okay. My identity's in Christ, not my uniform. And I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Yes, and, so, yes, yes. and so it's like, I think as parents, we fear those moments so much. I had another child that didn't make cheerleader last spring. And that was, you know, such a huge part of her world. And she's been fine. Like she's handled it so much better. But I do think all those messages about identity and just knowing that that's a part of your life, but not the center of your life helped get her through that. And it really did strengthen her relationship with God. And it drove home all those points that I tell her that you can lose your place on the team overnight. You can lose your friendships yeah. overnight. Your, you know, your father could lose his job. I mean, overnight, you might not live in the same house. Like everything that we have that we tend to put our worth or our value in can really change overnight. And so, but if we put our faith in Christ, then that's always going to be the same no matter what we're going through. Mm-hmm. And I really think that's the best, that's the best thing we can teach our children is just giving them that foundation. And it might not sink in until they're going through a trial and they're like, oh, this is what she meant. Yeah. You know, this boy broke my heart, but, you know, God still loves me. And, you know, this is why I've got to make him number one in my life and not a boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the crucial life skills that you talked about, I saw a post, was that all children need empathy to succeed. Mm -hmm. Can you touch a little bit on that? Yes. I think that goes back to how we're a very me-centered generation that we're often Mm -hmm. thinking about how people make us feel. And yet we're not thinking about how we're making other people feel or maybe how other people are feeling at the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, an example of this is I've met a woman at a speaking event and, you know, all moms have those moments when somebody's mean to their daughter or mean to their child. (laughs) And our instinct is to want to be mama bear, right? And sometimes we can make it worse when we're mama bear. So I've I've learned acting on my first reaction is not always the best idea, but, um, but you know, her, she, she told me, she's like, when my daughter is hurt by someone, I always ask her, well, what do you think might be going on in their life to make them act that way? And so really thinking that, you know, just kind of teaching them that hurt people hurt people. And sometimes sometimes somebody's acting that way because of some pain or insecurity in their life. And we really don't know. But, you know, you can't control what they're doing, but you can do the right thing. And so I think that's just an example of empathy. Um, The story that I shared in that post that really stood out to me because I don't think I could do this. But it was a friend of mine. Her father was on his his deathbed just in the final weeks of his life. And this man is like um, Ward Cleaver. I mean, just very honorable. He's just, they don't make him like this man anymore. I, I loved her dad, but he was in the hospital and he had this night in the hospital where he was trying to get the nurse and she would not come and he was in pain all night and he never got his medication. And so the next day when the doctor came, they told him and the doctor was very upset. 
And he was like, you know what? I can get you another nurse, you know, if you want. And the the father was the grandfather was like, no, I want this to be a lesson for my grandchildren. And so anyway, when the nurse came back in, he told her, he's like, you know, I had a really bad night last night and something tells me that you did too. Do you want to talk about it? Mm-hmm. And so they said, his son told the story at the funeral. And they said from there, the nurse just spilled her guts of all these things that she was dealing with, with her family and all of this. And after that, they became close friends. And, you know, she was a better nurse when he was moved to a different floor. She came and checked on him every day. And it was just the way he handled that situation, like especially being on his deathbed. He could have gotten anything he wanted, but he wanted to teach his children empathy and how sometimes if you just have a little empathy for someone, you can work through some conflict. You can help make somebody else a better person in the process, too. But again, I don't think that's a mindset that the world is teaching us. And so... Um, it's just really important for us to have those empathetic moments and teach our children how to do that too. <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, yep. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. So what else do we need to know? Yep. Yeah. What else can you teach us yeah. today? Well, oh, we're, no, we're so thankful in this book more than a mom. I mean, it is just, when is this book coming out? April 5th? April 5th. April mm-hmm. 5th. That's exciting. Everybody's going to need a copy of this. <laughs> I know. Carrie, would you autograph some books and let us give them away um, for the podcast? Yes, I'd love to. Okay. We would love to be able to share those yes. with our uh, with our group. And your other two books, I mean, Love Her Well. It's so funny because I, you know, I have boys and I'm like, my friend, several of my friends have it. <laughs> One of my neighbors loves Carrie Kapakis so much that sometimes for their dinner, she will put on Carrie Kapakis podcast. And she's like, girls, girls, (laughs) round the table, girls. Hilarious! I love it so much, but I'm like, okay, I need, I need somebody. I mean, I use all your things and compare them to boys, but I need somebody teaching me about boys, raising these wild children in my house. Well, I do have a good friend. She has the Boy Mom podcast. Yes. Her name's Monica Swanson. Uh-huh, she gives a lot uh-huh. of good advice on raising boys. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you who I think. They have changed my whole parenting philosophy is Sissy Golf and David Thomas and yes. Nashville. Yeah. They are um, actually, my daughter's thinking about going into counseling. And I'm like, well, you need to go intern for Sissy one summer because the way that they do it, I think it's just mm-hmm. also grace-filled and just the Christian approach. I think that they... Um, I don't know. There's something about the way that they can teach you about parenting and maybe feel like you can be a better parent, but not make you feel guilty about maybe what you've done wrong in the past. Totally. And I think that's so important for us as moms. It's like you do the best you can at the time, but you just, you can't do better until you know better. And just, like I said, give it. Yeah, we can't grace. handle any more guilt around here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. We, we pile enough on ourselves. We, we don't need that. We got enough. That's right. <laughs> Carrie, there's this thing that we do at the end of our podcast called Popcorn. And it's where we, you know, we get to know, get to know a little bit more about Carrie. And we ask quick questions. You give quick answers. Um, expound on the ones that you want to. But it just kind of, it's kind of fun mm-hmm. because it lets us know kind of more about, you know, the person that Carrie is and and not necessarily the author. So anyway, you want to jump in? Yeah. Okay. So you're in Birmingham. So Perfect. what's your favorite restaurant in Birmingham for a night out? Ooh, a night out. Probably Dyron's. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what a do you like country. Yeah, I don't know. It's close. It's a low country seafood place. Um, it's just very cozy, kind of a cavernous type feel inside. It's just mm-hmm. great food. Okay. Okay. Um, if we're coming to Birmingham, what, where should we visit? I would say definitely get Alexis Cafe for lunch. They have delicious food and also delicious cake, and you can get the cake by slice. Um, 
also the shopping. We have some great shopping in Mountain Brook, Mount Brook Village, Crestline Village. Uh, I also love the shopping over in downtown Homewood, Soka, and a lot of really cute stores over there. And then, of course, the Summit has some really great outdoor shops. I do love Birmingham. Yeah, I do too. When we did the webisode there, we just, we had a great time. We loved it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're leaving Birmingham, though, we're coming to vacation there. Where are you going to go vacation? Where do you like to go? Well, we usually go to the beach. We go to um, Perdido Key, typically. Um, We love to go to Greece, like I'd mentioned earlier, but uh, we went five years ago as a family because my husband has some relatives over there and we're hoping to go back again this summer. So um, it's it's great. The only thing about that is it kind of ruined our kids because nothing else compares to Greece. For sure. <laughs> That's a bucket like, list trip yeah. for me. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. They're like, we'd rather not do any vacations for five years and go back to Greece. But uh, but yeah, <laughs> if you ever go, let me know. It is. It's amazing. And you come yeah. back to America. You're like, everything's so new here. It's so, yeah. so yeah. boring. No, so we boring. don't have any culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. If you have find a hundred bucks in your pocket, what are you doing with it? Ooh, probably going to spend it on my girls. Mm-hmm. They're always like, needing something, aren't they? They're always <laughs> needing something, yeah. And I've learned with teenagers and clothes, I usually just have to find it. When I, when I find it, I just buy it so they have it. Mm-hmm. What's something you carry with you at all times in your purse or your bag? Well, this is not very exciting, but an EpiPen. I have a dad okay. with food allergies, and uh-huh. so I, I don't leave home without that. And I'm trying to teach her to do the same. How old is she? She's 12. Okay. So mm-hmm. this is, yeah. Got to model like, that behavior. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That's Let right. me tell you something. If I had a dollar for how many times we've left the trumpet at home, headed back to oh, middle school. Oh, pick up the trumpet. <laughs> um, okay. I'm looking at you because we're doing Zoom and your skin, you just have beautiful, beautiful. skin, mm-hmm. glowing skin. Makes me think we should have oh. some lights installed in our <laughs> studio. Um, what's your, what's your must have beauty product? Probably, um, what is it? It's the Elta. It's the tinted moisturizer. So you get a little yes. bit of the tint in there, but it's really thin and it doesn't just like layer on like a typical sunscreen you'd use at the beach. Delta MD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people mm-hmm. have told us about that. Yes. They, they've mentioned that on here. Uh-huh. Yes, I love it. All right, if you can take one person to lunch with you, who would that be? Um, it could be deceased or alive. Anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody. C.S. Lewis. Uh, he is my hero. I just, I read, I read his work and I'll go reread it. It's just... He just writes in a different way that speaks speaks deep to the soul. I love him. Okay, if you could go back and tell your 16-year-old self something, what would you tell her? I would tell her to not be so hard on herself and that you're it's okay to not be perfect and to to learn early that it's okay to make mistakes and to show yourself grace because that's something I wish I'd learned 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. What about your 30-year-old self? Hmm. That's a good question. Same thing. (laughs) Well, uh, it would probably just to to enjoy every season of parenting, even the hard ones, even for me that when my kids were little and I had, especially when I had four under the age of three or three under the age of four, um, I mean, I felt like I was just frustrated and short tempered and I really just didn't see it as a season. And I wish I could have been a little bit more patient during those years. Yeah. Because you do, you want to label your kids like, well, that's the fun one. That's the happy one. He's the one that drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. but it yes. is just a season. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll pass. Yeah, Right. They do. They grow up. And some of those qualities that drive you crazy when they're, they're younger can be some of their best qualities when they're older. Yeah. But it's hard to see that at the time. What is some advice that you would give to a new writer? 
uh, probably the same thing. Show yourself a lot of grace and to just know that um, don't be perfect. I, I learned this one strategy talking about a word vomit. They said, you know, don't edit yourself, just like vomit on paper. Don't worry about who's reading it. Don't second guess yourself, but just get it out there because you can always go and cut and to paste and, you know, delete. But um, but just really, you know, let yourself be free. Don't just be such a perfectionist. And if you can only write for 15 minutes a day, just go with that. And usually what happens if you just give yourself that 15 minutes, you'll sit down and be like, okay, well, I can do it for 30 minutes. It'll extend longer than that. But even if you just do 15 minutes a day, that can add up a lot over a course of a year. Yeah. That's good. Carrie, tell us how to find you on all this, on all the medias, on all the things. How can somebody find your work? Okay. I'm on probably the most I'm on social media is on Instagram and Facebook. It's Carrie Kampakis and then Carrie Kampakis writer on Facebook. And then I have my blog, which I'm updating a little bit more regularly right now since I have a book coming out. And then my podcast is called The Girl Mom Podcast. And then all my books are available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and everywhere books are sold. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been incredible. I'm a huge fan and I'm just honored that I got to speak with you and spend time with you today. Yes. Thank y'all for having me. I love what you're doing and I was very honored to be invited on. Yeah, Thanks. Carrie. Yeah. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Thanks, y'all. We are so grateful for our sponsor, Renaissance Bank, and proud to be a part of their women's initiative program, Rise with Renaissance. Rise encourages women to pursue leadership positions within the business and the communities in which they live and work. Thank you to Rise and thank you to Renaissance Bank for supporting Say It Southern. I know I say this a million times about people that I feel like I'm very inspired by, but Carrie Kampakis may be at the top of that list. And so when I say I want to move in with her, I want her to raise me, I want her to raise my children. <laughs> I mean, I don't even care if she like teaches Jason a few things. Oh, you know what I'm would saying? Help. It'd be helpful. Yes. I am just everything she says, I'm hanging on. I know. It's very true. Very true. That's why I'm, I feel so honored that we got to like have her on our podcast. I'm yeah, still for a, sure. a little bit of shot. Like, pinch me, please. I know. I know. But I mean, we could have talked to her for two hours. Oh, there's so many like roads to go down mm-hmm. dating, friendships life, how to be a mom. I mean, this whole book, More Than a Mom, is just right down the alley of everything that we need to hear. Yes. Y'all, we have a copy of this book that's coming out soon. And I promise you all, you need this book. It's it may become my new like it's like parenting new, Bible. Yeah, for sure. Not even parenting though, but it it goes deeper into like you cannot be and we and we've said this mm-hmm. you can't be a parent and a good friend a good wife a good sister if you don't take care of yourself right you know mm-hmm. and like our kids are sponges and they're soaking every bit of that up yes yes i think that's what happens as a mom we get so caught up in doing what's best for our children yeah. that we forget about ourselves we do. And I mean, and it's completely unhealthy, you know, and we talked about this a little in the podcast, that we make the child the center of our universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a really, what a disservice. Yeah. And let me tell you who's learning well, this I mean, right now. Well, I mean, think about our days. Think about what we do. We drop them off, pick them up, take them to 18 different things. Okay. And yep. we're on time and, you know, everybody is going yep. somewhere different. Yes. All, every day. Dean, Hauser Goolsby is learning this lesson right now. And he is eight. And it may be the hardest. It may be the hardship. It is his cross to bear right now. And I I feel like I've done it to him. I mean, we've done it to him. Yes, for sure. But he is having to learn this lesson. And when I tell you, it, it is literally, 
Well, my whole family's learning. Let me tell you what happened this week, okay? Okay. So, I had some dinner. <laughs> I always feel like I'm on here telling about, like, some uh, ailment. I found and have another diagnosis. Um, had to have a tooth removed, okay? okay. Right. Now, let me just say this. No, you can't see it. It's not on the bottom. I didn't have an implant. It's on the top at the very back. It was halfway down my throat. And I have shallow roots, okay? <laughs> so, I had it removed. And so... It was, you know, I have a little dental phobia, and so I was just like, okay, guys, I'm going to get all this stuff rearranged, you know, the pickups, cancel piano, do the things, because I don't know the course of the day. Mm -hmm. So my dentist had said, take take 24 hours. You're probably going to be really sore into Thursday, so maybe even, you know, might want to lay low on Thursday. So a good 48. Give yourself two days. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. But you know how that goes. Well, yeah. There ain't no 48 hours. <laughs> so tw- for, 20, for 24 hours, like, I came home. Jason dropped, you know, dropped me off on the curb. Mm-hmm. He went to work. I came inside, went to sleep, got up, did I worked on my computer for, like, an hour. And then I kind of laid around. But I didn't, I didn't, like, start binging a show or anything mm-hmm. like that. I probably should have. But I kind of, you know, got up and was like, everybody sandwiches for dinner. Move on, right? Mm-hmm. Went to sleep kind of early. So yesterday, honey, it started. We recorded a podcast, 8.30. Next thing after that, I had an appointment. After that, I had a meeting at 1. Then came from that point on, it was pick up children to the next thing. Drop Dean off. Graham needs a ride to golf. Pick up Graham from golf. Have to get the trumpet. Get the golf clubs. Get somebody <laughs> dinner before basketball practice. Pick up Panera. Oh, I'm sorry. I started Jason dinner in a crock pot before then. I did Mexican chicken for yeah. him. Not that I can gum my way through it because I'm still drinking liquids. So I'm, you know, I'm over here pureeing everything just to get some nutrition, mm-hmm. fixing a meal, and picking up two other ones for my children. I get home at nine o'clock, and I and last night on the way to bed, I step over a sock and I start Graham's laundry for the jersey. Which y'all look, I know this is regular mom stuff, but I am like, I was so just frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just mad. You can't sit down for one day. I'm like, you cannot take <laughs> a day. Mm-mm. Because I'm like, what is all this stuff? There's a sink full of dishes. You know, and you, and especially living with all boys, and I don't know if you experience this. I feel like maybe Taylor May starting to get on your side just a little bit, or is she super messy? Oh, she's super messy. Who Who's the best? Mm. Millie is usually the best, but now she will leave a trail of clothes from the back door, you know, throughout the house. Kind of like you're saying, like, there's a random sock. There's a random sweatshirt. Like, they just drop it on the floor and keep walking. And the thing is, it's like, I don't demand perfection. (laughs) Right. I don't keep a pristine house. But what I do expect is for somebody to move something so I don't have to do everything for everybody in this house. Oh, oh, honey, it went on the rampage. I am not a maid. I am not your maid. It takes everybody to live in this house. I was so mad. I didn't speak to any of them. Yeah. Because, like, I, I mean, also you get, like, but so annoyed doing the same thing every day. But or it's I because do. we do it to them. I like, we know. set them up for this. I know. Like, we run around, like you're saying, before you're 24 hours off, yeah. you got dinners together, yeah. you got rides together, you got yeah. this taken care of, you canceled this, just so you could have a minute. Yeah. And, and that's just... I think we do it to ourselves. Oh, it's... We're totally doing it. It's the irony of the situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if not, if you just let them walk around in the filth... They will. <laughs> they will. Mine will. Mine will, too. Mine will, too. Mine will? Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Oh, and it's just like, you know, after quarantine and all that, we were like, we're not going back to all these events. We're not going to race ourselves, you know, and run ourselves ragged, getting these kids here and there. And ragged. that's exactly what we did. Hashtag ragged. Hashtag ragged. It's truly, uh, seriously, you cannot rest almost unless you leave. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I think for women that work, there is a plus to that because, yeah. like, I leave and I don't come home until the afternoon. So I'm not home working and like looking at it all. Yeah, I do walk in some days and I'm like, like uh, really, like pigs die. You know, breakfast is there's still a bottle of syrup and like yeah. a plate on the table. Yeah, syrup. Ugh. Yeah, I hate syrup. But it, you know, it's just stuff out still. So yeah. there is that. But it is nice not to have to look at. It. I can kind of walk out, go to work, and just that, yes. ignore it. I mean, I really <laughs> thought about like running wire internet to the playhouse outside yes. and just being like, I'll just go up there and work yeah, when I need I'm to. Because then I don't just, just change the laundry And you up. should get some fresh air. It's all about taking care of you. Well, Because you're more than a mom, Courtney. You are more than a mom. So that's what I'm saying. Care. And I feel like I'm very good about self-care. Like, I feel like I'm good about, you know, mm-hmm. interjecting time. But it, it is so true that if you don't have that time for yourself, you're, ru- you're going to run out for everybody else. Yes. And, and this book talks about a lot of things and about friendship. We loved the part about the building the friendships and and mm-hmm. how to, you know, nurture the people that are in your life. Yeah. On that whole list, there were so many things that I'm like, well, I'm pretty I'm pretty good with this, but I really need to work on, you know, this. Okay. Let's like, say what you mean. Well, like the don't struggle alone. You know, you even told me that. You were yeah. like, this is you. And I yeah. was like, you're right. This is me. Um, it's I'm trying to get better at this, uh-huh. but it's hard. I'd rather just take it onto myself. Like I'm fine. Keep pressing on. Just let's do it. Yeah, you know? I think that goes with the like know the people that are good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and this list is found in the book. It talks about like to have good friends, you got to work on yourself first, and you initiate and make plans with people, and then also like don't keep a list of right and wrong. And mm-hmm. I think that goes with knowing who is good for you. Yeah. And that's kind of what she was talking about, the cancel culture in the book, too. Okay. I could. I, this is a soapbox for me. <laughs> and well, I mean, well, here's what I think. I think social media has done this number on our psyche and our brain to, we're to this point, because you can like and unfollow and block and mute and all this, that we think that in relationships, if something doesn't go exactly the way that we should think or somebody has a different opinion or maybe you're so triggered that all of a sudden they're like, oh, you're dead to me. You're out. You're Mm -hmm. next. Cancel culture. You're done. And it's like, I get that. And I know that there are some things that you can't come back from, but I feel like we're so quickly triggered these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I take a pretty hefty you know, prescription because of this. But I think we're so triggered these days that it's so easy to just be like, eh, not, I'm not going to do that. 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 Mm-hmm. Not on the same page. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's like you do have to protect yourself, right? And you know, but that is like a maturity in knowing who's good for you and what friendships are not good for you. Mm-hmm. And how to set boundaries. With and those setting people. boundaries mm-hmm. and just knowing your people. But it doesn't mean you have to write somebody off and like, you know I agree. What I'm because there's no forgiveness in that and there's no learning from that on how to be. I mean, people do stuff, but maybe that there's a reason they're yeah. acting out. You and know, like be a good friend. Well, and it just shows you, like what she said, everything happens in a season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we may, we're so quick to label everybody, including our kids. They're the trouble one. They're the one that can't da 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 da. And it's like maybe they're just going through something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like everybody will circle back. Mm-hmm. Just give it a little time, give it a time. little patience. Go back to the fruits of the spirit a minute. <laughs> 
self-control, compassion, gentleness, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just teaching our children that, like, oh, you don't have to tolerate if someone does this to you. When it's like, no, maybe you should. Maybe you should. Maybe you should learn the lesson in that. Mm-hmm. You know? You've been friends for a really long time. Yeah. You're going to let one thing destroy all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, your one temperature... One well, And your temperature shouldn't be gauged on somebody else's. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, you say what you can tolerate and what you're about, not somebody else. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you have to cancel them. So I just, you know, I I think that that's just something that we really have to deal with, with social media. I just... Well, and, and also... It just hurts my heart for people because I feel like, I feel like teens and we're just so isolating these mm-hmm. days. Yeah, yeah. And I was just going to say, we, we don't want to see our, like, we don't want our children to see us doing that to our friends. Yeah. Because we wouldn't want someone doing that to us. Just we make a mistake and they cancel us. Yeah, right. So why would we do it to someone else? Easy to say. <laughs> but I do feel like that. I feel like maybe that we're on eggshells so scared of getting canceled. Mm-hmm. I mean, good grief, this podcast could get canceled. <laughs> We could. We could. We could say the wrong but thing. There are some things that we have we have said, like, well, if we talk about this or that, people, you know, we're gonna get in trouble. For sure. You but know, we have set our boundaries. Mm-hmm. There are things mm-hmm. that we don't that we don't bring up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. things that we have very strong opinions on. And if you ask us, we might share with you privately in a loving conversation. But why? Why air them out? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's I don't tough. Know. It's a tough balance. It is a tough balance. Um. I was very honest when I was telling her that I've got friends that will pay her, that will play her podcast at dinner and listen to it and let their girls listen to it mm-hmm. because it's just so chock full of things that we need to know, whether that's friendships. I mean, I remember the middle school post that I shared and sent to all my friends, the I think dating. You, you sent me the podcast of the sure middle school, the girl middle school thing. Yes. I listened to it. I did. It's I'm just about like seven mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. 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 They're good. Like mm-hmm. top 10 things every middle schooler should know or something, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. One of the posts that I love, and we talked about it in the podcast, was that children need empathy the oh, most to succeed. My gosh, yes. I mean, I just 100% agree with that. Uh-huh. I'm like, gosh, it's so, so true. And again, kind of going back to that cancel culture, <laughs> yeah. all of that. Like, that's what we got to work on. We got to work on, ladies. Well, I mean, what is God's grace for if we can't use it and mm-hmm. we can't extend mm-hmm. it? You know? Yeah. I mean, that is. Unfortunately, we live in a society where technology and everything is teaching us not to have empathy, you mm-hmm. know. I remember one of the um, years, you know, I always come up with a word every year for my birthday. Mm-hmm. And one of my years was, like, making peace. Because I'd, I'd just gone through some stuff. I just needed some peace in my life, you know. And that came with some kind of, I, like, applied it to every area. And I just kept kind of thinking about it, like, you know, am I going to have a mommy makeover? Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I think I lost like 10 pounds over the course of that year. I don't think it was because I wasn't thinking about it. Right. Of course, I don't have the same metabolism I did when I was <laughs> no, 35. No, we don't. No, we don't. But I think that gravity has a little bit to do with that, but too. But you know what Pulling I'm saying? Down. Like, if you really make peace with some of those areas, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just kind of feel like it just works it out makes sometimes. You happy. Well, makes I mean, you happy. it just kind of all makes happy, out. happy person. And that's what I want for my girls. I want them to be happy girls. So I want them to see me happy and enjoying life. Well, you got to take care of yourself to do that. Exactly. And I'm preaching I'm, to you. I know you are. I'm preaching I to you. I see you looking at me. <clears throat> I'm looking away. I always know when Sarah gets 
really wound up and overdone because she will pop off, fire off emails. She starts solving all the things in all the places <laughs> and work and home and say it's Southern. And I'll get like 17 messages in my inbox, four texts, like, and all I've done is run to the restroom. By the time I'm back, I'm like, oh, she's on one. <laughs> and it's because I feel like when we get out of, when we feel out of control, we start trying to like micro control mm-hmm. the things. Yeah, yeah. And me. yeah, and mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things that it's like we all we all do that. Yeah, but you got to take care of you before you can take care of anybody else. It's funny you mention that too because just the other day, I mean, like two days ago, I got onto my girls. I mean, I like laid into them in the car, screaming crazy, like could have pulled the car over and beat them all. You Why? know what, what I mean? happened? I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you. Like somebody did something. They were fighting, and it just sent me over the edge. Mm-hmm. And immediately I was like, oh, dang. Like I'm taking out my issues, my yeah. problems, my day on them. Yeah. You know, and I, I said to them, like once we got home, I was like, we're not talking. Like no more talking in the yeah. car. By the time I got home, I said to them, you know, I'm so sorry. And I said, it's going to warm up soon, and I'll be able to walk again. And when I can walk, <laughs> that's where I go to relieve my stress. Yeah. And I said, so I am sorry I took my day out on you girls. Yeah. In the future, I will be walking when it warms up and you don't have to worry about that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? It's true. And they were just, and like, even Millie was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's the thing. Rest isn't laying in the bed. Right. Rest is doing something for you that like gives you that life back, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And hot works. I'm telling you, I love hot works and yoga. <laughs> set it out. Set it out. I just went and sat in there last night. I just mm-hmm. sat. Yeah. I think mine's just being outside. I could go sit outside and, and get the same endorphins as I do walking. You I know. know, just it's the sun, it's the warm weather, just being outside. I know. You pulled up this morning and I was just sitting in my driveway. Yes, <laughs> you were. I was like, oh gosh. Oh gosh. <laughs> what happened? What, is she okay? Nope. Just enjoying, needing just the vitamin D. <laughs> Too much to do inside, so I had to go outside. That's right. That's right. Oh. Well, Carrie, thank you for coming on. This is such an honor that we had you on the podcast, that we've got to do this episode with you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope all of our listeners, I hope you out there enjoyed this as much as we did. I feel like she's going to be a repeater. I hope so. We're going to get her back on here. I hope so. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye.